Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Happy offseason. Going great, Will. It's been a great offseason so far. I'm just happy we're here. Um, those last two months, three months of the season were, were a tough watch. So uh, I don't know. I'm excited that we have something different to talk about that is not these end-of-season basketball games. So excited to be on the podcast with you and Jerry today. I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, the troop writer, French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you again. How's it going? Well, going pretty good, and I can't wait to get started with you guys. You, uh, you guys bring bring your A games every week, or every two weeks. <laughs> you would every <laughs> week if you did. <laughs> Well, uh, mercifully, the uh, the 2021-2022 NBA season is over in Sacramento. The Kings ended their, ended their season Sunday night with a uh, meaningless victory over the Phoenix Suns, uh, going 30-52 and 52 on, on the season, stuck at seventh in the lotto odds in a season where uh, the front office had uh, playoff expectations, even after firing their head coach, Luke Walton, for starting the season 6-11. and 11. Interim head coach Alvin Gentry was informed today he wasn't being brought back for a subsequent season after going 24-41. and 41 but we'll get to that point a bit later. Jerry, Tony, when uh, viewing the season as a whole, uh, you know, all the way through trading Halliburton for Sabonis, Fox slumping and Fox resurging, coaching changes, player turnover, on and on and on and on and on. How do you grade this season as a whole? Well, I, I thought, honestly, it's very disappointing. One of the most disappointing years uh, in my mind, because I had higher expectations, certainly, uh, but maybe they're evidently too high, but we knew the, the roster was mismatched a bit at the start. I think we didn't kid ourselves about that, but uh, I just, uh, you know, very disappointed that the just team didn't, not only didn't get better, it got worse. And so that's, that's when you're not good to start with, that's not the direction you want to go. <laughs> Tony, what about you? Yeah. If you're grading the season, I don't know how, I mean, I couldn't give them anything, better than an F. I mean, they kind of failed in all of their goals. And even after those goals were kind of like, we knew they weren't going to happen. We knew the playoffs weren't going to happen. I feel like we still didn't learn much about the team for next year either, which is sort of frustrating. And I, I'm, I'm glad they rested De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. So I'm not, you know, criticizing them for making that decision, but just the fact that they didn't really do much when they were competing. And then once the season was out of reach, we saw nothing but sort of replaceable players that probably won't have a role next year. So I don't know what you learned on that end either. Um, so from every standpoint, to me, it's hard to consider this anything than a, than a failed season um, with some things to look forward to next year for sure. But just when you try and look at what they accomplished this year, I don't really see anything. It was one of those things that uh, every year when I when I finish up the season, I try to, for my last preview, kind of uh, recount how I got to this point, you know, how, how low to, how, how I started the season versus how I finished the season. And I went back uh, to my very first preview that I wrote the season and it was like unusually hopeful, even, even though I had only predicted 35 wins, it was one of those things that like, I knew I was hedging, like just, you know, the Kings could squeak in with 42 and then I could point back and go, see, I was pretty hopeful at the beginning of the season and reading it now at the end of the season, after everything that's happened, it was one of those things like, oh, buddy, like, oh, man, oh, you idiot. <laughs> like, you predicted 35, and you should have predicted 25. And uh, it was it was a difficult read because uh, I, I got bamboozled. I got bamboozled by Hope. I got bamboozled by the front office, and uh, I, I felt silly for it. So I'm glad nobody else had to read that one uh, and go back and read it again because it was one of those things that I went, oh, yeah, this was – we started a little higher than we should have when we ended even lower than I expected. Well, you know, it, uh, one of the things I think that's a fooler in, in the whole thing, I know I, where I screwed up, uh, you know, I, I thought they'd be significantly better than they were because I based on the fact that they had quite a few NBA talented players on the roster, which, yeah. which I think was accurate. But I forgot my golden rule of rule number one is it's not about how many players you have. It's a quality of the top level players and that's where the kings certainly fell short and that's why they're where they are because having 15 uh roster guys is not going to get you any closer to winning 
Uh, it's, <laughs> it's better to have, you know, seven really top level starter quality guys. Uh, but so anyway, but I uh, got always got to remember that, man. It, it's yeah. uh, it's a talent league. It's a talent league. And don't kid yourself. We're, we're going to mark this down, Jerry. So at the beginning of next year, when we start to feel hopeful, if we see 15 quality, 15 decent guys, but not seven really good guys, we'll know by the under, by the under as much as possible. Yes. Yes, sir. All right. So I want to get specific here about um, how you guys might grade the front office, the moves they made or didn't make this season, seeing now what we know about the season as a whole. Do you feel like the Halliburton trade uh, for Sabonis was worthy of a grade higher than an F? Uh, holding on for, you know, holding on to Buddy and, 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 and Barnes the way that they did for as long as they did over the last couple of seasons. How would you grade the job the front office has done over the, class, uh, the course of the last 170 plus days? Well, I, I think for, for me, just if you just look at it the last uh, season, because uh, I've always thought, honestly, the two areas where I think the only areas that I think money that I disagree with are second guessing is, uh, the uh, max contract for Darren Fox. I never thought that was uh, uh, viable at the time they did it or necessary. I, th I thought the time would have, uh, uh, you know, and, and I knew that they couldn't lose him and, and, and that he wouldn't get anywhere near that kind of money uh, from any other team because they couldn't. And so, so when you, you know, it's one thing to sign Jason Tatum to that, but, uh, uh, you know, Darren hadn't accomplished near as much. And I, I hope that he can someday to be worthy of that. But the bottom line is any contract you sign, whether it's Buddy Heald for more than he's worth or Darren Fox for more than he's worth, it, uh, it on a salary cap, it totals up <laughs> and, it, it, and it hinders you. And then the other thing, of course, go back, and I've said it many times, some of the fans don't agree, I don't care, but uh, losing bogey, a, a, a true asset for nothing, uh, was a mistake because that's one more asset, just like Harrison Barnes is maybe their best asset going forward in a lot of ways because Bogey and Harrison are guys that probably two thirds of the teams in the league would, would like to have and would give you something of value for. And so, so that's where I see that it's anyway. So that's that now as far as this season, he drafted well. I mean, you know, I mean, there's no doubt Davion Mitchell is a really good, young NBA player. Uh, uh, can he be a starter in the league? Uh, can he be a valuable role player? Uh, I think he can be a valuable player on a winner. I, I'll mm -hmm. say that about Davion just about more than I would almost anybody else. I, I know that Harrison Barnes can because he's been, uh, you know, on winners and a valuable role player, uh, maybe not a top three guy or four guy. And then, and then some bonus. Now that's the three guys you can say. You can you can say it about others. It just isn't true. They haven't done it uh, to the same level, uh, you know. So uh, so I think the fact that uh, you know that Davion is is proven to be, I think, just such a, a good prospect that it, it makes the loss of Halliburton a lot less palatable. You know, I I mean, uh, it's not to say I'm saying he's better than. Halliburton, although his rookie year probably has ever been as good, sure. you know, and, and I mean, when you look at the defensive side of it, that's not even close. Oh yeah. I mean, that, 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 that guy is a, dis, I mean, he makes a difference defensively uh, on a team that nobody else does. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, what do you think about the season and how uh, the front office and all the, the, the body of their work, what, what, what grade would you give them if you had the chance? That, uh, the front office is really hard to talk about because uh, the job is so incomplete. I will say this, like I'm, I guess I'm, and you can probably tell by my tone of the podcast already, I'm, I'm down on the Kings. How could you not be considering the season they've had, et cetera. But I don't think this is a, a Vlade Divac situation at all, where it's like the front office hasn't been great. And I really have no faith that they can turn it around. This front office can absolutely turn around this situation here. Monty McNair has made enough moves that if he continues to make more moves, you can have a winning team in the Western Conference based on the core that he's uh, he's got here. I mean, even if I'm not a huge fan of the Halliburton trade because I love Tyrese Halliburton and everything he brings, I can't deny that DeMontis Sabonis is a huge uh, piece to a playoff team. So McNair can finish the job here. I think what he's done in season is very incomplete. There are moves I don't like, moves I did like, but 
to give them a grade right now is, is hard, especially considering they, they sort of, um, I don't know, they, they kind of gave up on the second half of the season and for good reason, like I'm, I'm a draft position guy, so I'm happy they didn't rush their guys back, but we really haven't seen Monty McNair's vision and the roster he put together play yet. And that includes the head coach he's going to hire in the next couple of months. So uh, I, I have to give Monty McNair, I guess, an incomplete and we'll see what else he does this off season and, and how they put their team together for next year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I mean, I, I think this summer is so important for Monty, you, you know, it's just not fair. I mean, to me, he's certainly, I think, proven to be competent, yep. uh, but right now you're hoping, for, <laughs> and that's a big step as we all yep. know, yep. but uh, he's, he's a competent uh, leader and, and, but, but he's got two or three huge things that's got to go right in this, this summer and start of next year. So uh, I think that's one thing you could say right now, it's incomplete. We do, just don't know enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I kind of came into this thinking, okay, I could give him a, a, I'll give him a C. I'll give him a passing grade only solely because he he said uh, that he was planning on getting big-time talent in Sacramento, and he pulled that off. Now, at the cost of big-time talent, but it was one of those things that he you have to give to get, and he certainly gave up enough to, to get something. And so he was, in some ways, true to his word, something that he'd said that they're going to chase – somebody big. And so I, I will give him credit. I will give him the grade, a passing grade where he can move on to next season without my scorn because he was able to acquire somebody as talented as Sabonis is. I agree with you though, that it, his vision is incomplete. And, and for the, 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 the broader picture, I guess we can, we can give him the INC, but it's one of those things that Jerry, I think to your point and to Tony's point as well, he's backed himself into a corner here where not, not just one or two things have to go right but pretty much everything has to go right next season. If he's going to, again, promise the playoffs, you've got to, you've got to nail the the coaching hire. You've got to nail the draft. You've got to nail the free agency. You've got to nail, you know, you absolutely have to get, you know, B pluses or higher on every single grade the rest of the way in order to, to make a dent in, in the Western conference. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if Monty and his trapdoor spider style of, of GMing is going to be able to do that all in one off season being as patient as he is to get the deal that he wants and, 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 and also being, you know, in a race against time to do it. So I, I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll give them the C, but I agree with you guys wholly that the general picture is more incomplete than that. Okay. So I want to get into, um, I don't need to grade Luke Walton. He got fired, you know, less than 20 games into the season. He gets an F, but seeing as how Alvin Gentry was let go today and we'll talk about, uh, coaching rumors a little bit later in the podcast. What do you give Alvin, uh, Jerry, and, and Tony in terms of his grade for the rest of the season and how he was able to weather the storm that Monty McNair brought upon him? I thought he did a you know professional job under very difficult circumstances. I, I uh, the problem, the only uh, second guessing I'll do, and I, we all second guess, not that we should, but I I just didn't understand the playing of uh, Holiday as a starter at all. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I know he's a good young man and, and is an NBA player, but there's, but it really made no sense down the stretch at all, in my opinion. And then really not playing uh, Nemias more earlier. Uh, those two things. Other than that, uh, you know, I, I don't know who could have done necessarily better uh, with the roster that he had. And then he was trying to, and, and rightfully so, he was trying to try in some things experimenting a little bit with different taking a look at guys differently and and I thought if nothing else he really did a great job uh let Mitchell be be the leader and that was really important and I thought uh you know probably allowing uh, Damian Jones to flex his wings a little bit too so so there's some real positives there and I mean uh I just think the record's what it is but but I, I don't think that really had any meaning at all uh at all but so those would be my two you know two uh, negatives with with Alvin uh, you know I don't know if, if he was asked to do certain things I doubt it but but I mean the holiday thing and and not playing the Myers more I thought would have made you know I mean I kind of agree that uh, even Dante probably should have been starting yeah uh, you know I mean that's that's a guy you need to find out about 
and uh, don't necessarily agree with his his camp how they approached right. it, <laughs> but because uh, I but uh, but you know Dante you know he did get better like we thought he would and and uh, and that's what you wanted to see but probably the sooner you saw it the better it off you'd be. Sure, Tony. I, I actually wanted I wanted to ask you about this for you to break it down a little bit more and we can get into this. Uh, you can give me your assessment of of. Uh, of the job coach did, but I also wanted to hear about specifically about when we got to the player grades about this whole situation with Dante DiVincenzo and, and the drama involving uh, James Ham reported last week that he was unhappy with McNair and the coaching staff for the, his treatment during his short tenure as a King and whether you guys both thought that there was any legs to that drama. So Tony, give me your assessment of coach, but then let me know what you think about that as well. Cause Jerry hit a, an interesting point there. Yeah, I think Gentry, um, he did a fine job. I don't have anything really negative to say about him. I'm sure there were rotation moves that were weird, and maybe, like we're about to talk about with Dante DiVincenzo, maybe we know why those moves were made, and maybe it isn't such a mystery. Um, but I, I like to grade King's things under the lens of uh, what would like a league average coach do in this situation? What would a very good coach do in this situation? And I don't think any coach is really resurrecting this team from when Luke Walton left considering the injuries and all the other, the big trade and everything like no coach is turning this into a playoff team. So how much can I criticize Alvin Gentry for also not doing that? I thought Gentry did a fine job. Um, as far as the Dante DiVincenzo thing goes, yeah, it was James Ham who reported that his camp was upset. They thought that they were trying to uh, limit his minutes in production. So he gets lower offers in free agency and he might have a point. You look at his numbers versus Justin Holiday's numbers. I thought Dante DiVincenzo was better the whole way. He was much better towards the end of the season once DiVincenzo started hitting his shots. And the Kings would not be the first team to limit somebody's minutes because of a contract bonus or contract situations. Teams do this quite frequently. So it's a, it's a valid criticism by Dante DiVincenzo. It's not some wild conspiracy theory. It could be true. And at the same time, I don't know if it's actually going to impact the offers that Dante DiVincenzo gets this summer. Maybe it does, but the truth is he's a restricted free agent. The likelihood of a team tying up their limited cap space in a restricted free agent for low money that the Kings are likely to match to me is probably pretty low. You don't see restricted free agents lose, uh, uh, sorry, leave their restricted team if they want to keep them often anyways. So will Dante lose a couple million dollars? Maybe, but I, I honestly don't even think that's going to be the case. He'll probably get whatever offer he was going to get anyways. So valid complaint by Dante DiVincenzo in his camp. Maybe. Should he have started? Yes. Will it cost him any money? I don't think so, but I guess we'll find out in a couple of months. Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Tony. I, I mean, it'd be different if he played uh, 12 minutes a game. Yeah. But he yeah. was playing 30. And, and uh, I mean, and yes, I agree. He should have started. I really believe that. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board there, but I don't think his minutes would have been much different anyway. And his product would have probably not been much different so and like you said I mean he's a restricted free agent and, and there's probably I doubt there's a team out there saying boy now if we can get 20 million under the cap we'll we'll go get Dante D. I mean it's just the, the, the king the team that needs probably has him at the most value is the Sacramento Kings yeah sure. you know yeah. they they traded for him so yeah it's just agents being agents and and uh, in general I think they're dipshits so <laughs> jerry i'm curious because we talk about how we we figured gentry kind of had free reign to do the things that he wanted for the most part and 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 when we look at it dante DiVincenzo averaged one minute more per game than than justin holiday he took the exact same amount of three-point attempts so it's not like they were freezing him out of the offense or anything else like that how much do you see monty mcnair reaching down and telling alvin gentry don't start him, you know, don't, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to tank his value. Or do you think this is a, a thing of Alvin Gentry just saying up? Oh, I think Justin Holiday gives me a better chance to win starting, even though Dante DiVincenzo ends up playing more minutes. I think that's, I just can't believe Monty interfered and knowing Alvin, I can't believe he'd have paid any attention. He knows he's on a short, you know, I mean, that's just something that wouldn't go anywhere. I, I think just as probably as simple the fact that when the trade was made, Holiday fit better with Sabonis, sure. you know, and there was a comfort zone there with those two. And, and, you know, for not a, any particularly good reason, just stayed with it, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I get that. And I totally agree with, with Alvin at that time. I mean, but I thought after, 
you know, 10 games or so that would or less. And, and then of course with Sabonis out, then, then there's, there's no advantage, but, uh, and, and, you know, in holiday to his credit, I mean, he, he's a, a, a hard worker, a good teammate, you know, there's nothing bad you can say about him except he's 32 years old and you, and you know, <laughs> he doesn't fit in your future long-term. And so that's, so probably just as simple as, as, Maybe not, but I say I, I always thought it was just as simple as he was a perfect fit with Sabonis early to help Sabonis get comfortable. Yeah, and in, in Gentry's defense, too, if you want to give him another basketball reason to maybe do what he did, uh, after Fox went out, the Kings didn't have a backup point guard, and Dante DiVincenzo isn't a point guard either, really, but he's the best combo I can pretend to play point guard on the roster, certainly better than Justin Holiday in that regard. So if, uh, if, Dante DiVincenzo is looking for a basketball excuse or a basketball reason. I'm sure Gentry has kind of told him that, that, Hey, we need like a ball handler off the bench. We have no other guards and this is just where I got to use you right now. So uh, I, I don't think it was, I don't know. I don't think it was quite as fishy as Dante DiVincenzo and his team claims, even though he does have a point. Yeah. You know, the, the other side of that is if, if, if I'm out of Gentry too, I could say, look, uh, we know going forward, if this team's going to go anywhere, Dante probably needs to be a third or fourth guard. That, you know, I mean, yeah. let, let's get serious here. I mean, this is, is not the answer to your guard problems. I mean, I think he's a nice young prospect. You love his energy, effort, defensive intensity. I always say, like, he's a disruptor. He's, But at times he's a disruptor on offense as well as defense. <laughs> and so uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, and I, I really – I. I I was trying to think of somebody kind of remind me of over the years. I said, you know, he really reminds me a lot of John Barry. Uh you know, John was a very good off the bench player. And I always remember Rick Adelman said, you know, John's one of those guys that can really help you for 15, 20 minutes. But you better be aware that after 20, <laughs> the, 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 the positives start going away. <laughs> and, 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 you know, John was a really good player and he was a valuable off the bench player on a lot of good teams, uh, not just the Kings. And uh, but but he was kind of a disruptor both ways of course with John I always say that, you know he was a coach on the floor and a coach off the floor coach on the bus coach on the plane <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about a, a DiVincenzo a little bit but I want to assess our I guess I can't call him a big three or a big four so our medium four of De'Aaron Fox Sabonis uh, Harrison Barnes and Davey on the season how would you how would you rank each of their seasons or rate each of their seasons and whether or not you thought they were successful in their time in Sacramento Mm. Well, I thought Harrison, you know, overall had a, had a good year, probably a B, maybe, sure. you know, I mean, he was fairly consistent, had some, had some invisible games uh, here and there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've always said that's his main flaw is that he, he's a better player than he sometimes realizes he is, fits in uh, to get along with lesser talents, but that's my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, it's a bonus. Uh, you know, it'd be hard not to give him an A. Uh, I mean, the guy, guy's really good. Uh, he rebounds it. He's tough. He competes. Uh, he's unselfish. Makes players better. And, you know, scores productively. Not a, not a particularly good defender, but the effort's there. Uh, probably better on the perimeter than he is at the basket. Uh, Fox, I'd probably, I couldn't give more than a B because he was so ineffective for a good part of the season. Yeah. And you certainly, he was an A uh, after the Sabonis trade. I mean, offensively, he was just terrific. You know, I think as a lot of times as fans, uh, you know, we may have gotten down on him so much that we didn't realize or give him fair credit to how great he did play offensively in stretches there yeah. because uh, my God, he was hard to guard and he was making shots, uh, you know, and so, but to me, I'd say a B is, is fair. I just couldn't give him an A, even though his talent uh, should should do that. I mean, I, and I still struggle with him defensively. Uh, you know, he right. he could be an outstanding defender, but he's just not consistently at all. And uh, and then Davion, his rookie year, I'd probably you know give him a B too because early in the year, you know, he he just offensively wasn't productive. Uh, and as I've said on this show, I, I, uh, I'm not surprised by that. And I'm not surprised how well he played when he got minutes. I mean, I, I was convinced early on that this is a guy you trot him out there with the way he plays. 
he'll find a way to be productive because he's going to guard the crap out of whoever's in his area and he's going to compete every minute and you know his speed and quickness and strength it it shows up over time you know his value his value gets better and i mean i've seen players like that so so yeah was he a good pick sure uh absolutely and uh Kenny, like I say, I, th- I just think he's got the. I'm, a, I'm sold out here. I, I mean, I think he's got a heart of a champion on a team that doesn't have nearly enough of them. Yeah, sure. Fox gave him a, a pretty great compliment today, comparing him to uh, comparing his work ethic only to Kobe Bryant in terms of what Fox has seen in terms of how hard a worker he is, and that was something to me that I went, okay, I've been interested in Davion for you know the last his last bit of the season. I've been okay. I'm coming around on him. Oh, I'm really coming around on him. And today was kind of the exclamation point on that when Fox compared him to his work ethic to that of, you know, Kobe Bryant. I go, all right, now I'm now I'm really paying attention in the offseason to everything that uh, that Davion Mitchell is doing. Tony, what about you? What do you think about uh, the way these these four Fox, Sabonis, Barnes and Davion uh, had this season? I don't have a whole lot to say about Harrison Barnes. He was steady for most of the year Uh, for the other three. I would say all of all of those players had periods this season where they were very good and where they gave you exactly what you need from them next year in a playoff run. All of like Sabonis, Mitchell and Fox all had these runs of games where it's like, if we had that guy for 82 games, this is a playoff team. Now the problem is for Fox, he has yet to do this at the beginning of a season. It's always in the second half when the things are already falling apart uh, for Davion Mitchell, he hasn't, and this is no no criticism for him, he's a rookie, but he hasn't been able to be this effective with lower minutes earlier in the year when he was off the bench. He, was nearly a, he wasn't nearly as impactful. So uh, we don't really know what the next season looks like for him with Fox if they're both starting. Like, I, I just don't know what that backcourt looks like together. I see no reason why they can't play well together, but I thought the same thing with Fox and Halliburton, and they struggled this year. Uh, and then Sabonis was great for the the short period we saw him. So if all of those players uh, play at their peaks, peak levels this season, next year, the Kings really have something. The problem is for all of them, aside from Sabonis, who we only saw for a short period of time, but for Fox and Mitchell, I don't know that we've seen what they need to do next year uh, consistently enough, especially Fox, who just, he can't have another slow start. And that's why any grade of his, I give, like, yes, it was awesome to see him dominate offensively once Sabonis got uh, into Sacramento, but he was the guy they needed to be great all year, and he just wasn't for uh, all of Luke Walton's run, but for any period where the game still mattered, Fox just was not the guy he needed to be. So it's hard to grade those guys because they they were so um, up and down, I guess, and how impactful they were. Some, again, for players like Mitchell, not his fault. He's a rookie. He didn't get his opportunity to later in the year, so it is what it is. But, you know, all those guys gave you reasons to be encouraged and also question marks heading into next year where, where you, don't, you don't know what you're going to get necessarily, but there's enough reason for hope, at least, with, with what you did see. Jerry, I'm curious, as a, as a coach and former GM, um, we've heard some already today from Fox and Sabonis saying, oh, we're going to get together in the lab this summer and we're going to, you know, we're going to figure it out or we're going to start working together. What, what would you, as a former GM and coach, tell them to emphasize on in terms of working together or, or when they're hanging out together in, in their offseason workouts, what would you emphasize to them that they need to do in order to push this team into being a playoff team? Well, the first thing I, I would do, I mean, just on an individual basis, not so much. I mean, when two or three guys working out together, I'm not sure you, you know, that, that it's five man game. So two or three guys can't do that much, but I, I would just say, uh, okay, what are your weaknesses? You know what? You know individually in the summertime, work on your weaknesses. Uh, you can't develop an offense in the summertime because you don't even know if the coach wants to run. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but in Fox's case, uh, work on your three-point shot. Work on your three-point shot. Uh, work on creating off the dribble. Uh, you know, uh, try to find people when you're playing the pickup games. Really, really work on your playmaking, and 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 then really take some and defense pick up the damn ball, pick it up, get into it. Uh, and then with, uh, you know, I, I think with Davion, it's, 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 you know, work on your shooting, you know, just work on your shooting uh, deep, you know, the three ball, uh, certainly floater, you know, you're, you're a young guy offensively. You've got to have a floater. Uh, you've got to find 
uh, ways that you can't always go to the, all the way to the basket. And uh, Sabonis, this uh, I'll take a Will Griffith here. I mean, you, you've got to get that 18, 20 footer down pat. You've got to knock that shot down. Uh, you don't, yeah, I mean, it's okay if you make a three now and then too, but, but the perimeter jump shot will, will really make your game easy and, and it'll make the team's game easy. So I, I say just, just find your weakness. And, and with all three of those guys in particular, it's just a matter of you can't, the old saying, you can't solve a problem until you admit you got one. Now, if they're not willing to admit, I need to do, boy, I'm not a very good perimeter shooter for Solonis. Well, you're not going to solve it. Or if you're, if you're Davion, I don't think you worry about Davion. Just say, here's a ball, yeah. go go play, uh, go work. He'll do that. But Fox, I do think it's like you You really need to focus on really improving your, your deep shot, uh, or playmaking ability, and just your defensive focus. You know, come out of the gate using your quickness and speed on defense like you do on offense. So that's, that's my, that's my rant for the day. <laughs> I'm curious about what you guys think of uh, anyone left on the roster that you might want to point out. I'm thinking of bench guys kind of like a uh, Damian Jones this season or Trey Lyles or Chimezi Metu or Rashawn Holmes. Is there anything you guys want to point out about any of those guys and, and how you felt their season went and how you see them going forward on the Kings? I mean, all these players, uh, their roles are sort of come into question um, next year. Cause we saw for most of those guys towards the end of the year, they had roles beyond what they would have on a winning team. But I would say someone like Trey Lyles, like Trey Lyles probably earned himself a spot on the roster with his play. Um, he's got a, a team option for next year. It's I think it's like 2.2 million. That seems like an easy pickup for a, for a depth bench, big Damian Jones, um, his production sort of flies in the face of Dante DiVincenzo's complaints because I think the Kings would love to retain Damian Jones, who they don't have in restricted free agency, but they gave him a lot of minutes and he played very well. So hopefully they can retain him. I would take Damian Jones over Alex Len or Chemezi Metu at this stage if you're looking for someone to play backup center. And Rashawn Holmes, I know we haven't talked about his situation a lot. Um, I don't feel totally comfortable talking about it uh, because yeah. I don't know the details. I don't think any of us do. And hopefully at some point we'll find out what happened there and the Kings will treat it appropriately but if he's going to be on this team next year he i mean we haven't talked about him and we probably should have at least from a basketball standpoint because he had been a massive disappointment when he was playing and he was a big part of this team um for a few years if he's going to be on this team moving forward he's got to be much better too so the bench guys some of them played well i think trey lyles though is the standout in terms of what you're looking for you know who played well down the stretch and who can you bring back on a reasonable contract next year and hopefully get some some uh, cheap, productive bench minutes? You know, I, I would agree with you on Trey Lyles. You know, I I don't see why he can't be on your team. You know, and I mean, I, I really like the way his, his control, how he played under control all the time on a team that a lot of guys weren't. Uh, you know, he's, he's got skill. Uh, probably he's a little bit like a bigger version of Harrison Barnes. He, he really turns down too many shots that he ought to take. Uh, you know, I have a little more confidence there, but maybe that, can, you know, he's young enough. You can still uh, improve on that maybe. So, yeah, I like that price tag and his skill. And, and, and Damon, I agree. I think Damon is going to be tough to keep. I think, I think there'll yeah. be teams out there that can give him more than the, the Kings uh, would be able to, but uh, he improved his game, especially offensively. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, he protected the basket pretty well, but overall I thought he was not a good defender, you know, got, got beat an awful lot uh, off the dribble and, and, and things, but, uh, but he's a guy you'd like, I think you'd like to keep him. I think you'd like to keep Damian Jones if you could. And, and Lyles, probably both those guys more than met to in my mind. And, and I love met athleticism, but boy, it's a, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that may click in in about two or three years and you'd be sorry that, you know what I mean? But, but I think just short term, I think you're, the other two are safer bets. So um, the first step uh, to this off season is going to be a coaching hire. Uh, it was reported today uh, by Woj that the Sacramento Kings won't be bringing back interim head coach Elvin Gentry. And they're opening up a search for a new head coach instead of opting to move forward with him. Um, they're going to put him apparently in the front office or they're hoping to uh, for the remaining year of his contract. Uh, Woj followed up by saying uh, the Kings are searching for candidates with a history of turning lottery teams into playoff teams. Uh, among those expected to be considered are uh, Kenny Atkinson, Steve Clifford, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown, 
uh, two Bucks assistants and Charles Lee and Darvin Ham. Uh, Marvin uh, uh, Mark Stein jumped in a little bit later to add um, names like Mike D'Antoni and Terry Stotts to that list. Um, just just for you guys as an initial opinion on all those names that I just listed out, and I can list them again if you need. Do any of those candidates interest you? Uh, do you see how their their fit works out? And uh, and uh, if so, if, if if not any of those candidates, do you have anyone else that was uh, that wasn't mentioned that you think the Kings should end up considering? Well, one guy I, I think they ought to consider uh, is Scotty Brooks. Uh, you know, he's uh, you know he's had a lot of fifty win teams and and uh, a lot of success. Now you know, and it's also true Washington uh, got rid of him a year ago and they didn't get better with more, <laughs> you know, so, and he's a local, you know, that Northern California guy and, and all that, 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 that was assistant here. And I, I think, I think he should be in the mix. I think his background probably is better than several on that list. Uh, so that'd be one, one guy. And of course, you know, I've already said before, uh, thinking out of the box on this stuff is, uh, you know, I like uh, Kelvin Sampson, the, the college coach at Houston. Uh, he was a terrific assistant coach with Kevin McHale at the, at the Houston Rockets. And I know he had a lot of impact on, on their success and they had success. And so I just think, uh, and I know he's a defensive coach. And if you, if you watch university of Houston uh, over five minutes, you know, they play hard. And, and, and so I, I just think he's a guy that I don't know that you'd get him or he'd even want to come back to the pro game, but uh, I think he'd be, I think he'd be terrific. And I can say there's nothing against Atkinson or those guys. Cause I think they'd be all be fine choices. I just hope they take their time, you know, and, sure. and, and I especially, especially with a head coach that, that uh, maybe emphasizes defense more than just words. I mean, that's in their, in their DNA, because I've always said you can hire lineup assistant coaches as your defensive guys. And, and the players know, that they're not going to be taken out of the game by the assistant coach. So, yeah. you, you know, if you want, if you want to improve your defense, uh, I think you better, your, your head coach ought to be really interested and, and proven to be a, a, a good defensive coach at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, what about you as a, as a fan? Um, do any of those names pique your interest or, or uh, absolutely uh, disgust you in terms of uh, the coaching search? I love this list and there have been Kings coaching firings where the first initial candidate list has come out and I've hated it. So uh, yeah. this one, there's a lot of good names on here. Um, I've mentioned Kenny Atkinson a million times on the show. Um, I just, I think so, he's going to get another opportunity somewhere eventually. And I would like that to be here. I think he's a very good coach and I think he has done what Woj says he wants the Kings to do uh, or what, what Woj is saying the Kings are looking for, which is a, a coach who got a, a not very good Brooklyn team to uh, getting them to play beyond what their talent level was, I think. And the Kings haven't had a coach here in a while that has been able to get this team to play beyond what their talent is and actually add something to the core. Um, I think Mark Jackson somehow finds his name on every, every time the Kings are looking for a head coach. I'd be shocked if it's actually him, but he's got a great agent for continuing to get his name in that conversation, I guess. And uh, Mike Brown doesn't excite me a whole lot either, but, that list for the most part is a, is a very strong list of candidates and many of them would make me pretty satisfied with, with this coaching hire, this coaching search. Yeah. I was, uh, I was on uh, the sports ethos podcast with, with Jill pretty recently. And I was talking about a, a dark horse candidate that I've mentioned here a couple of times and Brian Keefe, who's an assistant with the nets. Um, but we were kind of talking about like what the Kings need in a coach. And, and it's one of those things that like, it's a list, like a hundred things long, <laughs> But the, but the one that I kind of broke down in terms of like, maybe not just one singular coach, but a coaching staff. Um, but I kind of broke it down to that the Kings need a coach that understands and can implement a modern NBA defense. Uh, that the coach needed to be somebody that the players respect, who also isn't soft on them. Like in the way that like, they, they can't be Dave Yeager in the sense that like Buddy Heald and all these other players just kind of are fed up with them, but they can't be Luke Walton where it's like, oh, we all love him. And he's never chewed him out once in their entire time there. Uh, we need a coach. Uh, the Sacramento Kings need a coach that can develop talent still because there are younger guys on this roster that we can expect could have a, could have a role on this team at, at some point. And then lastly, a coach that can uh, set a culture uh, specifically about accountability, Jerry. I think that kind of goes back to the point of like, 
Fox knowing that like a coach isn't going to take him out for not playing defense. And so every coach that I've looked at in terms of like, Oh, my favorites versus who, who not, I was like, how many do those check off? Like how many of those coaches can check off some of those boxes or three or four of those boxes. And when they came out with the official list, I kind of went, Oh, okay. Like that's a decent amount of coaches that I would, they check at least two or three off of that list. So I was, I was fairly pleased going forward. And I know that they said, Oh, there'll be more too, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm curious too. Uh, Jerry, uh, is there anybody out there? You, you mentioned Kelvin Sampson, but is in terms of somebody that would be a dark horse for you, is there is there a type of coach or is there a situation where you, you want to avoid or a coach that you want to bring in that you're just like, this would be the wrong kind of coach to bring in or what what you might, uh, uh, popular candidates that you might go, oh, this is turning me off about this player, I, I think, or uh, this coach. I'm, I'm specifically thinking of somebody like Mike D'Antoni, who's a offensive genius, but who's also getting up there in age? Are there are those coaches that are popular candidates that you kind of go, oh, no, not really. Well, I, I like I say, I would have gone to say Mike D'Antoni for the very same reason. And I, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I, I can erase and that. I, and I think Mike, uh, you know, with the right veteran team, that uh, you know, it, it might be, you know, you put Mike D'Antoni if if Utah makes a mistake and fires uh, Quinn Snyder, you put Mike D'Antoni there, and, and he might be a nice of a, enough of a change they could keep it going. You know, he'd be a Sure. guy for that kind of team but in my mind but uh, for uh, for the kings no I, I just don't think that would be the the, the right move and, and uh, like i say it's a lot of it is just the, it's kind of like players uh coaches need to be kind of the right fit especially this team as you pointed out i mean yeah they, so many things need to change uh, you know defensive approach uh culture uh, accountability all that and uh and I, I just don't think Mike would be as good a good a fit there. Uh, I mean, I and, and I love Terry Stotts, but uh, personally and as a coach, but I, I'm not sure, uh, you know, he'd be the best fit here. Uh, you know, here again, I think with a little more veteran team, I think Terry uh, would, would make them better and help them, you know, help them. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, some of the assistants is always tough. Darvin Ham, you know, is an interesting name, you know, when you got guys that have been around successful programs and, and uh, enough people recommend them you know it's kind of kind of like a, a Taylor at, uh, at uh, Memphis you know I mean it's like wow what a great coach you know just Nick Nurse guys that came out of nowhere yeah. that's what you're looking for and uh, and that's always so tough to, to get those guys uh, you know know, know the, who's the right guy you know uh Sure. And then and because some of them aren't, <laughs> yes. some of them just yeah. aren't. And that they're, cause that's moving over 18 inches is a huge, huge jump. But uh, mm-hmm. so that's, I don't know. I, I like the idea of guys that have been head coaches for a team, just, just because this is a team that can't afford to take too many chances. The more information you have, I think the better off you are. It doesn't mean that it's going to be better, but that's why Kenny Atkinson, to me, uh, coming from the current assistant coach in the ranks, makes more sense than some other guys because he did a, a proven good job, for instance. Uh, sure. And like I say, that's why I, I mean, I, and I'm probably biased towards Scotty Brooks because I just like him, but, but I've always thought, you know, most of the places he's been, uh, like Oklahoma City, well, they, they, they didn't get better after he left, not really. They didn't have more success, and Washington certainly didn't. Uh, so he was a guy who had a lot of success, but it just wasn't enough to satisfy. You know, that's the way it works. You know, it's like, well, yeah, uh, you yeah, you got us to the finals one year, but uh, you didn't get us there every year, so we got to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I, I'm also curious, only because you mentioned this, uh, sliding over that 18 inches does make a big difference, and you as a former GM – how can you, or how would you, if you were Monty McNair, suss out the difference between a Chris Finch, who was an assistant coach, who's gone on to be an incredible coach with the Timberwolves this year, uh, versus like a Nate Bjorkren, who uh, went from Toronto to Indiana and was out in a single season? You know, how do you suss out the difference between a Chris Finch and a, and a Nate Bjorkren and, and figuring out which new coach, not saying that the Kings necessarily will, but for you personally, how would you figure out the difference between uh, a pro's pro and the guy who's only going to be there a year yeah that's a, that's probably the million dollar question or in many cases now coaching the 10 million dollar question but uh <laughs> uh 
I think if I'm if I'm Monty, that you know, and I think it's a, a double difficult for him because he's never coached, and you know, it's uh, it, so it's it. I think it's really tougher for those guys as opposed to to uh, GMs that have been coaches or had a background in it. So I think in his case, the more information he can get from people, you know, in his area of expertise that he knows comfortably that have coached, uh, get information from them, uh, help from them, uh, advice from them, uh, that sort of thing, because uh, uh, he can't possibly know what he doesn't know. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't care, you know, what you think, you know, setting up in the 18th uh, row. Uh, that's not the same as, as uh, being in the locker room and uh, having to have a come to Jesus moment with a couple of guys who don't want to hear it. Uh, and uh, an assistant coach, you know, gets to be the good guy. Uh, the head coach has to be the bad guy. And some guys can't uh, adjust to that. You know, they just can't. So anyway, so I, that'd be my only thought there is that money, you know, he's a smart guy, a Princeton guy. And, and uh, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got a lot of people he trusts that, that have coaching experience and, and, and know a lot of these say candidates that could, uh, but, and give him the right questions to ask. And I think that's always important. You know, I mean, that's, uh, uh, I think a lot of times as, as fans, uh, you know, we might not know the right questions to ask uh, how you'd handle certain things or, or what kind of, what kind of offense do you think might fit this particular team or what kind of defensive schemes do you think might you, because any coach is trying to get the job should know your personnel. So you got a right to ask that. And uh, do you think you could, uh, what could you do with the Aaron Fox uh, defensively that might really improve his game and team, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind hurting guys feelings uh, there, you know, you know, cause you need to get some idea if they don't have a clue, you know, Oh, I don't know. Who's, uh, oh, I don't really watch him last year. Uh, well, well, you know, you want somebody, you know, better, better know, uh, better, better know your personnel coming in for the interview. Absolutely. Tony, what about you? I know you mentioned uh, Mark Jackson being, being out on your list, but I think you also mentioned uh, Mike Brown not, not being necessarily a popular candidate in your mind. Is there anyone else that you've heard that you're just kind of like, uh, I have hesitations on that one. Well, I think someone who will get an interview and should get an interview who I have reservations on doesn't mean he won't be a, a great head coach is uh, Doug Christie. And we've heard very little about the uh, assistant coaching staff so far. But I'd be shocked if the Kings don't throw Doug Christie an interview for his own sake. He probably has earned that right anyways. Just get him comfortable in those uh, head coaching interviews. And he may interview very well. I mean, Doug Christie did a nice job when he was here um, filling in for Alvin Gentry. And he, as far as I know, has you know head coach or coaching aspirations still. So he's going to be on some staff next year, I would assume, because he was a, a, seemed like a very good assistant at the least. Um, and then also the last two coaches the Kings hired, uh, Luke Walton and Dave Yeager, were both coaches that were fired after the Kings fired their coach. So there are still more coaches. And Jerry reminded me of this when he mentioned the Utah Jazz situation. If Quinn Snyder comes available in the next couple of weeks, the whole conversation changes, just like yes. it did when, when Memphis let go of Dave Yeager and that whole hiring and conversation changes. So keep an eye on some of these playoff teams. The Kings don't need to make a decision right now. Uh, Frank Vogel was let go by the Lakers. I, I think he would probably get a call or an interview. I'm not the, the biggest Frank Vogel fan, but he's had success um, in plenty of places. Certainly uh, uh, has the credentials to be the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. But just keep an eye on some of the teams that are still in the playoffs and, and might uh, be looking at an early exit because if they can, if someone like Quinn Snyder can fall in their lap, I think that is a name that you put above every name we've heard so far, at least I would. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is root for a first round sweep against the jazz um, in the next couple of weeks. Well, and, and Tony, to your point, I mean, I think that's always the case is there will be one or two. I mean, the playoffs dictate that because, uh, you know, sure. you know, through, obviously many times it's not, you know, it's like doc rivers. If they don't get to the finals, I think doc might be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Well, the, do you consider yeah. doc rivers? Well, why wouldn't you? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. Quinn, I, I think Quinn Snyder just would have a lot of suitors, so to speak. Yeah, so yeah. that's why you don't rush out and do anything. Uh, you know, I mean, there's only so many jobs. And, and uh, so there's guys that, you know, 
uh, do become available. So uh, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, try to take my time and and uh, you know this, that's what with like we said earlier though that's the the, the real charge for money in particular this summer is you got to get it right. If it takes you an extra few weeks, so so what? Uh, you know, it, it's not like you're going to coach many games uh, during uh, June or July uh, and the summer league can take care of itself. But I, and I also agree with you on, uh, I think they ought to give Doug an interview. I think he deserves that. I think uh, Doug has a chance to be a head coach someday, if not here somewhere in time, because I, I think he's a bright guy who works hard. Uh, you know, it's just a, uh, it's just tough to hire a guy with one year. I think that's the tough part. I would say the the last part of this that I feel like we have to mention here, because uh, Jason Anderson wrote about it in the B this week, is sort of the the Kings front office dysfunction that has been uh, very well reported on. No no secret or surprise to anyone here over the last decade plus. But there is always going to be that element of will Monty McNair have full authority to make this higher. We've got Joe Dumars around. Vivek is obviously going to have a voice in that conversation. So uh, not only do the Kings need to take the time and get it right, but they also need to uh, let the, let the guy who's uh, picking the players, the general manager make this higher and try and keep the other voices while I know they will have an input. And I, I mean, someone like Joe Dumars is certainly going to have his voice heard in those conversations, but um, I just hope that the Kings can, can reach a decision here with some level of like front office competency and they don't even have to agree on it, but just don't, don't let it turn into a, to a circus again um, throughout this process would be my, my hope, I guess. And then whoever they hire from there, great. But I, I hope they nail the process uh, as much as anything else. Yeah. Of course, none of this matters if the King's ownership doesn't stay out of its own way. Um, and, and just because I was going to transition to this point right after this, anyways, Tony, you set that up perfectly. Uh, Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Beat wrote a pretty revealing article a few days ago that Vivek Ranadive um, um, is kind of running a toxic work environment. That was the, the words that were used in the article that seems to continue to bleed over from GMs, you know, regardless of the GM or the coaching changes that are made. Uh, the article also maintained that it seems now that Monty has full control and is making all the decisions in Sacramento, which feels like, okay, that's an interesting admission when we're talking about a, a team that also has this toxic work environment, whatever else like that. Uh, Jerry, you were actually quoted in the article. So I'm going to give you the first go. Is is this the same old Vivek uh, different day or is this something new? What do you make of all this? Well, you know, to make, uh, truthfully, I don't know. And that's what I was telling Jason. I, I really don't work for the Kings. I haven't for, for years. In the last few years, just doing television, I was never in a meeting with Vivek. So I've heard things, but I, I don't, want to be an expert on uh, on somebody that might be a disgruntled employee either. Uh, uh, so, you know, I commented on the things I knew were screw ups, the drafts. And uh, I know exactly. And like I told you guys earlier, I said, yeah, I missed one. Willie Cauley Stein was, was, a, yeah. was a mistake as well uh, on the list of, of uh, Robinson and Jimmer Fredette and, and, uh, and just, and of course, Bagley. Uh, for obvious reasons yeah. uh so you know uh but yeah I, the only i don't know that you can possibly unless you're working for him in the you know get accurate information now the, the information that jason had it sounded like is legit he said uh, you know anonymous former executive so at some point he felt comfortable writing that information uh, you know, and usually, uh, you know, I know Jason well, and I think he's a very responsible person. So I wouldn't have thought he'd written it without basically almost having a couple of sources to confirm it. But, sure. but I, I, uh, like I say, I just, uh, you know, I've, I've heard things that I don't think is very positive uh, for sure, but uh, there's probably people that might find a thing not very positive about me too. Uh, so as, as fans are learning, maybe so, uh, anyway, but yeah, that that's what we don't know. I mean, and I think, and I'll say this about money, even if he's got control, let's say he's making the big decisions, uh, no GM in the league makes a final decision on a hundred million dollar contract. Owners make those decisions, you know, when it comes to that level of money, uh, just like any business owner would, uh, you know, I have always said that that's a, a kind of a misnomer. Uh, I guarantee you, uh, 
James Jones of the Phoenix isn't going to make the final decision on the, on the max contracts. Uh, so, so there's that. So only fans have to keep that in mind too. Tony, is there anything in that article that, uh, that surprised you? I know there was some Jordan Clarkson uh, discussion about there was a trade with Jordan Clarkson and Vivek ran to Sam Presti to ask him his advice on something else. Was there anything else outside of that, that you, that you found new or was this, you know, okay, this is pretty much par for the course. We've, we've heard this. We know this it's established about uh, Vivek. Yeah. I, I know disrespect to Jason's reporting at all. It was a very interesting article, but I clicked on that thinking like, Oh no, what happened now? And then I guess, thankfully, most of that stuff was stuff that we had heard or was alluded to or was it was old. It wasn't terribly surprising. The Jordan Clarkson thing was funny, but I mean, I could, again, like Jerry, and I, I know even less than Jerry, but yeah. you know, is that, does that sound surprising that Vivek would call his buddies and ask them what they thought about a trade? To me, it does not. <laughs> it does not. So sure. That probably, you know, that, that probably happened. The one thing I guess that I, that I would say is uh, just for anyone listening to note is that, and I don't want to scare anybody or make anyone feel bad, but how many times, how many times did we hear Vlade Divac say that he was making the decisions and he'll report that Vlade Divac was in charge and Vlade Divac was making the decisions. And then we have a report like this one from Jason Anderson that was like, oh no, actually this whole time Vlade was here, there was a million people making the decisions and it wasn't really his call all the time. So despite reports from Anderson, whoever that say that Monty McNair is making all the decisions, I would just say, remember, we have been told that the general manager has been making the decisions so many times in the past, it turns out to not be true. And maybe it's just them covering for themselves after the fact that could be part of it too. Um, so I would just, you know, when, when people say everything's all good now, uh, just proceed with caution there because we, I've certainly been told that before. Oh, and one other thing, you know, the thing that maybe bothered me the most of the whole article, uh, and I don't know the truth of it, but if it is true, it bothered me, uh, was the fact that it said, you know, Vivek was calling Sam Presti or general managers. Owners don't need to be doing that. General managers talk to general managers. Owners, if they want to talk to other owners. I always remember, uh, you know, going back to years ago with, with, with Bird, talking about how Herb Simon liked to talk to other owners. And he thought that's fine. And I, I do too. I think, why not? That's your peer group. Uh, get your thoughts. Uh, but uh, to me, if, if in fact that was true, I think that's, a, honestly, I think that's a terrible precedent, just terrible. Yeah. You know, Jerry, the, the one thing only, because we've, we've talked about this particular weird scenario a million times before, it gave me a little bit of hope that I went, if it goes downhill with Monty McNair, is there a chance that uh, Vivette calls his friend Sam Presti and offers him a contract once go. and for all? <laughs> like, uh, that was my one thing. I went, okay, he's calling Sam Presti. Like, uh, you know, it's it, if they're friends, that's a good thing to me. Maybe he'll he'll back up the Brinks truck for him. And that was the weird King's brain that I'm so negative about this team <laughs> that I took that as a positive that he was calling another GM who I personally have in a, 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 some affection. That would be the positive, by the way. But, yes. uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I think the idea that you can't uh, hire a, a top flight general manager is a, totally erroneous because they just simply don't make that kind of money. I mean, uh, there's a few that do, but and that'd be very difficult to get. But, uh, you know, it's like, I, I think it's Karnischewitz, I, I think that's his name at uh, Chicago, who's done a marvelous job turning that around. It's like, well, if you had an opening, why wouldn't you go talk to him and say, yeah. you know, we can pay you more money. Do you want more money? That's good. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm not usually the bastion of hope in, in Sacramento, but I, I saw silver lining there. I went, there we go. There you're getting it. You're getting it, Vivek. Yeah, at least he's calling Sam Presti. You know, he could yeah. be calling like Shaq or something, <laughs> or like <laughs> Frazier and asking him what. what well, like. <laughs> he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry, don't, you don't have to wink at that. Yeah, he might be calling other people. He's, so, he just reported Sam Presti. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna go on to the Patreon question today, uh, Tony. Uh, we're gonna move it right on to you, and uh, we'll we'll wrap this episode up for today. Uh, great. So on every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our Kings Herald patrons at Patreon.com/slash Kings Herald or Twitter or anyone who kind of supports the site. They submit questions. We ask them to Jerry. Any questions that don't get used on the main show here, we record a Q and A once a month on Patreon where we ask all the leftover questions. Uh, so you submit them, they will get answered eventually. This question comes from, and I apologize if I mispronounce the name. Uh, I'm going to say it's Dewey Van Veen, uh, aka Dutch Kings fan on Twitter. 
Um, he asked a few questions. Some of them we will touch on in the Patreon exclusive episode, but this one seemed most applicable to kind of what we've been talking about on this episode and what's going on in the King's world right now. Uh, he asks Jerry, to what extent should De'Aaron Fox, Demantis Sabonis, and Harrison Barnes have a say in the coaching decision? Mm, that's a great question. I, I think it's, I don't know about say, but I think they're, they should be uh, kept abreast. And, and, and get their opinions. I think they're very important employees, just like any, any business. I, I think you would want to uh, uh, get their thoughts. It's not to say that they get to pick the coach, but uh, if all three, in my opinion, now this is, to, <laughs> if all three said, oh, I don't want to play for that damn guy, uh, I think you probably shouldn't hire him. Uh, you know, that'd just be my guess. But, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think uh, the more you can uh, get your, employees involved in your business i think that's a good thing but uh but you've got to make that final decision and uh and and like i say what might be the best coach for De'Aaron might not necessarily be the best coach for the team uh, or the best coach for, but uh you, you still would want to you know if it'd be very very important to, to try to get somebody that all three yeah, he'd be okay. You know, they say, well, I might prefer so-and-so, but no, he's a good coach, you know, that sort of thing. And, and so that way, I think you've solved a lot of your problems. And, and especially if it's your top kind of three guys or so, uh, and veteran guys, uh, I think that's, that's all you need to touch base with. You don't have to go, you know, check with Metu to see what he thinks. Uh, <laughs> Metu wants the coach to let him shoot more. <laughs> Can I shoot more? You know, Tony, I, I, I would I would agree with Jerry there. And I'd say that uh, I would want the players in the loop, but not at the table. You know that. OK, you know, th they they don't have any final authority on it. But somebody like Harrison Barnes, he, he's he been around enough. He's he's had enough assistant coaches that he might have some input that it's like, oh, OK, he, he you know, he's an intelligent enough guy that he would like somebody more than somebody else or have some insight into that. Uh, he's been in some organizations of different types that that he might have something of value. Uh, Sabonis as well. Uh, especially where he got, you know, he he had a season with a coach that was a hired as an from an assistant as a first time job, and it did not work well. But he's also been coached by some fantastic coaches at that. Um, but again, I I don't think Fox has earned the right, you know, where LeBron James he's going to say, hey, this is the these are the three coaches I want, or this is you know, or I'm going somewhere else. And I think LeBron can probably flex that muscle, and it's worth it. But and I don't I don't I don't suspect Fox thinks he's this way either. I think Fox probably just wants to be kept in the loop and, and he can give the thumbs up or, or he can yell about, no, hell no, please not him. This is what happened and here's why. But outside of that, they don't need to be at the table just in the loop about it. No, I think that's a great point too. And I, and I, and I agree with you. I don't think that any of those guys would want to make that decision. I mean, you know, players, it's been my experience. You know, if they're, you know, just show respect, uh, respect for their thoughts and that you are thinking about them with the decision, uh, I think that's, that's, that's enough. I mean, it's like, say, uh, you know, even LeBron, I mean, uh, you know, maybe uh, when LeBron was 25, you think that way, but right now I wouldn't care. You know, what, what LeBron don't get to pick the coach. He's going to, his, his uh, shelf life is ending, uh, you know, at some point here. So you'd have to make it your choice based on what's best for the franchise. Five, hopefully four or five years down the road. So, Hope I answered you the question. Uh, but I don't know, I, we danced around about best we could, but I, I sure do think that. I mean, I've always thought. I mean, any way you can uh, bring your you know, let just transparency. You know, just just make sure that they they don't find out the first day at camp who's coaching. Okay, Jerry, we're going to run over to you to the uh, for the Reynolds wrap up this week. Well, it's really one of the saddest wrap ups that I've ever had. Uh, Wayne Cooper, a uh, longtime assistant general manager for the Kings. When I worked for the Kings, worked with Wayne 15 years or so, and uh, passed away today uh, at age 64. Uh, he was, uh, you know, just a marvelous, marvelous man. I had an excellent career coaching, uh, not coaching, but playing with uh, Portland and, and Denver and I think Dallas briefly, uh, you know, really came on board with uh, – years I think after Jeff Petrie came and and uh, really was very valuable very valuable administrator uh, but that's the least of it he was just you know like I say I worked with him 
office next to him for 15 years. I don't think I ever, ever had a bad day. You know, every day was a good day with Coop and uh, was really a, a big part of, uh, of the, the glory years. <laughs> As fans know, there weren't very many of them, but he was a part, part of the ones we had. So uh, really, really sad time for, for his wife, Denise, and their children. But Wayne was, uh, he was the best, absolutely the best. Appreciate that, Jerry. Yeah. Well, for everyone here at, uh, at the King's Herald, I want to thank you for another episode. Uh, where you get to listen to us rant and rave about every single topic under the king's sun um if you uh if you have it in your heart come on over to the patreon episode that we're going to be recording right after this um you can get in for as little as i don't know tony what do we five dollars is the least that we can do yep and and you can listen to jerry and me and tony uh answer even crazier even more wild questions than the ones that we get every single uh episode here and uh it's a good time so uh if not, then uh, we'll see you in two weeks, and we appreciate you listening none- nonetheless. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in the off season, and uh, I'm sure there'll be something to talk about uh, 14 days from now. So oh, thanks so much. Sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise we're out of a job, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't no, we don't want that? We'll create something. Fire Quinn Snyder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, 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 get, get him out. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see you in two weeks when the Kings hire Quinn Snyder as head coach. Thanks so much. Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop.